Welcome to 33 Tangents, a roundtable discussion covering a wide variety of topics from digital analytics to working remotely to current happenings in business and technology. Your hosts, Jason Thompson, John Moran, Jen Coons, and myself, Jim Driscoll, all live in different areas of the world, but work together in the same company. Our regular day-to-day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others. And we're recording. All right. We're all good to go now. And uh, we have a special guest with us today. We have uh, Corey Spencer, who's Director of Product Management at Adobe. Um, and really to kind of get us going, one of the things we, we were hoping, Corey, you were able to join us because recently Adobe announced the end of life plans and sunset date for DTM. And one of the things we've been hearing on our side is, you know, migrations can take up to to nine months, which, you know, from, from our perspective, it means if many organizations are not talking about that migration now, they're already behind the eight ball. And granted that that may be a bit of an exaggeration, but really would love to get you know, your, your input on that. Um, so, you know, but for, for many of those organizations, the time between now and that sunset date is definitely going to fly by. So really the, the, the conversation really want to resolve, you know, uh, you know, have it revolve around that, you know, the process involved, you know, what organizations should be thinking about now, if they're not thinking about it, are they truly in trouble or, or, or whatnot? Um, but really, you know, what should they do to get things started and what are the most important things to consider? But before we dig into that, you know, I'd like to do is throw it over to you and, you know, just, you know, if you could tell us a little bit about your role with Adobe, you know, what does your average day look like? Um, you know, what do you typically do? Yeah, thanks. Well, first, I, can you guys hear me? Yep, loud and clear. Okay. Um, so before, uh, before I dive into that, we should note that um, uh, I know two, I mean, I, I'm getting to know, um you better, but the other two hosts, Jason and Jen, I have a long history with. And I do before before we jump into to kind of how my my day goes, I should state that it was about 14 years ago this month <laughs> uh, that I started working at a company called Omniture, fresh out of grad school, and was terrified. So my first job out of grad school was I was the curriculum manager for. Omniture. And my, my job was to create the initial training for Site Catalyst and for Discover I and didn't for know that. Search Center. Yeah. And so, <clears throat> um, so my very first day at Omniture, I'm sitting at a cube, scared to death, this goofy kid. And, uh, and one of the cool kids down the hall walks over to me and he's like, uh, so we're going to go probably go get some lunch, some sort of freaking chicken or something. <laughs> Thai, uh, most likely. And, <laughs> it was amateur. Uh, just wondering if, if you want to come come hang out or whatever. That'd be pretty cool, I guess. And I'm like, yeah, yeah I'd love to. My name's Corey. He's like, yeah, my name is jo- Jason. It's good to meet you. And and that was the first time I, I met Jason. And then we worked together at Keystone where I also met Jen. Um, met a lot of people who, who ultimately built Satellite. Um, I was at Keystone Solutions for a little while with Jason and uh, this whole group, uh, Rudy Shumpert and 
and Jeff Chasen and Joel Statuitz and Sean Reed were all there. And they all went to go work at this company called Search Discovery and they built Satellite and um, and called me the day after the acquisition when Adobe acquired Satellite and uh, and went to bat for me and said, you know, you should hire Corey for, so I've been at Adobe for about five years. I've been at Adobe for, done a little bit of everything. I've worked as a marketing director. I worked at IBM Tealeaf. I worked as a consultant, thanks to Jason hiring me. Um, kind of been all over the place and then started at Adobe five years ago, uh, so shortly after the acquisition of Satellite. So I've kind of, you know, I, I've been a customer, I've been a consultant, and now I've been someone who's building products. And, and I take that role really seriously to make sure that I honor the previous roles that I had because, because of those relationships I still have. So, um, so that's kind of, you know, where, where I got my start was, was a thanks to Jason, uh, but B, you know, cutting my teeth, having to use this stuff. And when I came over and we started working, um, on DTM, uh, our goal was to make it, you know, incredibly successful and it's been incredibly successful. Uh, it's the second most used tag management in the world, um, next to Google, of course, uh, and that's just the way that goes. But it's the most used by enterprises. And um, in fact, we recently heard from a, a rather large search engine company that said, hey, we need to talk to you about how to integrate better because our top customers use your tag manager. And, um, and we're like, that's, that's awesome. We we're pretty stoked about that. So, so DTM has been, uh, really successful. My days primarily consist of talking to customers. Uh, I literally travel all over the world, um, trying to learn what customers love and what customers hate about the products that we build and about how we can make their lives easier. Uh, I think of our customers as the most important stakeholder. Uh, at the end of the day, if, if we help them, if we make their day better while they're trying to pay their mortgage using our software, then that's a good day. And so that's that's primarily what I do. I talk to customers. I work with uh, Ben Robison is the product manager directly over launch, um, uh, and which is the topic we'll discuss today. We also have Auditor. We have the Chrome extension debugger. We have some other projects that we're working on right now. But um, I work with Ben and we figure out well, what did we hear from customers? How do we prioritize this versus the other things that we're hearing? Um, a one-man shop who's doing all of the tagging has very different needs than an enterprise that has four different agencies that are all doing stuff simultaneously. So how do we honor both of those workflows for our customers? How do we make sure that you know we're not robbing one of a good experience to give another, or at least we're, we're decreasing that. A lot of product management is, it's very rare that we're deciding between a really good idea and a really bad idea. We're normally choosing between two really good ideas and trying to figure out how to prioritize one in front of another one, just because of the physics of building software. So that's, that's most of it is just trying to get the best sense of who can we help? How many people can we help the best, the soonest? Um, so yeah, that is a awesome intro and spot on, on the, uh, impersonation there. And I think you, you, you created a video once where you impersonated me. So you, I think you've been working on it. 
Yeah. Oh, we need to see that video. <laughs> it's on YouTube. Sure. It, it, no, it it's on exists. YouTube. Yeah, it does include a wig and a few other things. So, yeah. oh, there is a wealth of good videos of the two of you on YouTube. There, there are some great yeah. videos that uh, Corey and I made back in the day on, on YouTube. So I will link those up in the blog post for this podcast if anyone is interested in consuming some of those uh, oldies but but goodies. Um, yeah, it's, it's awesome to, to have you on. It's cool. I mean, I'm a huge fan of 33 sticks. You guys know that. Ah, thank you. So, uh, where, where do we want to start? There's a lot that kind of Jim laid out in the intro around, um, the plans of, of, of moving to launch. I, I would love to hear, uh, if you could share maybe just some of the internal thinking around what, what, what was the strategy for, for going to launch in that it's a completely new platform. You guys have went with a really interesting approach of having it completely open. You're providing APIs. You you have this developer platform for creating extensions. It's a really exciting open platform. So I guess first, what was what was kind of the idea of not necessarily taking DTM to a whole new level, but saying, you know what, let's let's learn from what we did there and and start from scratch with something that can really be revolutionary in the space. And then and then secondarily, um, what what was kind of the 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 driver for getting people over to it and and what we've seen is a fairly aggressive timeline to get customers moved over to launch by the the end of next year yeah and let's you know i i've I've gotten my share of panic emails on the timeline and the only thing i'll state is that you know the, the timelines are our goal and if we hear from enough customers that timelines need to be changed or addressed we will do that we're like we're we're not um in the business of upsetting our customers uh so i just want to state that first I, I don't think that probably came out very clear in the in the blog post that's been pushed around because we do want to start with the you know trying to drive migration and we'll talk about some of the some of the tools that we've released and some of the the things that we've tried to do to make it easier um but there's no like there's nothing set in stone. Uh, we're going to try and push this as hard as we can, but I do want to just alleviate that if for some reason there's a customer who absolutely positively can't get something done in time, we'll work with you. But there's so many reasons to migrate. And um, and that's what maybe we should first talk about. You're right. Talk about why we did what we did, why we're putting our customers through the pain of redeploying a new tag manager uh, and that's a decision that we took very, very seriously and deliberated um, for almost a year on before we started building anything. And uh, and then also maybe give you guys like a 33 tangent scoop on some of the stuff that's coming um, this year and early next year to to launch that we haven't announced. So we'll give you guys a little uh, a little exclusive. How about that? Well, and, um, and real quick, sorry, Corey, but real quick on the, the timeline thing. I think most everybody should be able to migrate over, uh, like if they're panicking and all of that, it's how good of a migration you want to do. <laughs> so if it's yeah. really just a lift and shift, well, there's a tool for that. That shouldn't be a problem. But hopefully most folks are using this as an opportunity to clean clean some things up. And, and that's where folks need to start thinking now about taking advantage of the time they have. Uh, 100% agree. And and yeah, let's talk about that in a second. But first, so when I came over to 
to uh, Adobe had to have been like within the first six months. Uh, I was sitting in one of our conference room with Joel Statuitz and most of your listeners have no idea who Joe Stat- Joel Statuitz is, but I guarantee that you've been professionally affected by his intellect. Um, he, he is the architect for all of our client side stuff. He determines a lot of the JavaScript. Uh, he's part of our JavaScript council and some things that we're doing to bring our JavaScript together. Um, and uh, he's really the the architectural brain around um, uh, around DTM and launch. And he's you also guys, just an all around very nice guy. <laughs> he the only super thing smart bigger and super nice. Yeah, I always say the only thing bigger than Joel Statuitz's brain is his heart. He is just the sweetest, kindest, um, most patient person, especially when he's dealing with me. Um, but he and I were sitting in a conference room staring at this giant blank wall, and we were trying to figure out – the initial conversation was, how do we make it easier to build more tools in DTM? Now, this was almost – this was four and a half years ago. Uh, and DTM has a set number of tools for integrations, and they are Adobe tools. And we were hearing from customers, it would be great if you had more integration points. Um, I don't like to do so much custom code. And so we were trying to go through and figure out how do we take something that really wasn't, you know, was was wasn't built in an abstracted way, didn't wasn't built as a platform, wasn't API first. How do we take something like that and reverse engineer it? And we worked at that for months because we wanted to to minimize the discomfort of anything new that we did. And at the end of months of drawing out some lots of ideas, we came to a couple of principles that we knew we had to address. The first was the fact that we believe that the current tag management world is the wrong way up when it comes to integrations. So any other tag manager, including Google's to a certain degree, um, because of the way that they can find how you build integrations, the, the tag manager holds all control. It's like having an app store and then having the app store owner build all the apps. And that just seemed really backwards to us as we were trying to think about modern modern architecture. We were trying to think of where we saw the industry going in the next 5, 10, 15 years. And then we were trying to think of like Adobe's own problems. If you were to go and use another one of these tag managers to deploy Adobe, one of the first things you do is you ignore the templates because the templates are out of date. And Adobe has no control over the templates. We we have no idea. They, the vast majority of escalations my team deals with is a customer using a different tag manager. Um, and we can't control anything that that tag manager does with our code or when they update it or any interdependencies, which is a big deal at Adobe with our ECID and target and analytics and everything having to fire at the right time and, and in the right sequence, we have zero control over those things. And, and so we thought like one of the tenants was how do we, get the right person, give them the right person ownership. And it's the, you know, the subject matter expert or the technology expert or the technology owner should be the owner of the integration, not the other way around. Um, and we know that this probably slows down the number of extensions that we're going to get in the short term, but we think gives us a much longer tail long term, but that the quality of these, of these integrations is we're already hearing from customers much higher than they see in any type of thing that's just trying to stamp out as many templates as possible. So that was one of the tendencies. is how do, we, how do we give the correct ownership to the right people? And we needed to do that because at Adobe, 
I don't know if you guys notice, but we update our libraries pretty often and, uh, and interdependencies update pretty often. And our team couldn't keep up, or at least it was a full-time job for our team to keep up with just making sure our own libraries were properly represented in DTM. And so we couldn't even add any new features to the tag manager because we were always just trying to keep up. And then, you know, the other thing you guys may have noticed is Adobe acquires new products. And um, and then so then our roadmap would get dramatically affected because we had to integrate with with those. And so how do we have those teams own their integration? And then could we go so far as to convince Adobe to let us allow third parties to build their own integrations? Um, and that was a that was a decision that was um, fought initially by Adobe leadership. And I can talk about more, that more a little bit later. But I think you're starting to see enterprise software realize that. Uh, intellectual property by trying to own every line of code isn't the real gauge of success in the next 10, 15 years. It's how do you facilitate customers solving problems, not how do you possessively own uh, every comma. So um, so that was one of the, process, the, the tenants, correct ownership. The other tenant was um, API first. So the, and, and our APIs are in alpha. They will actually be going into beta very shortly. And our goal is to release the API um, early next year for general use, but everything you do in, in launch is API first. And so that was one of the other tenants is we wanted to make sure that anything could be done programmatically. We wanted to release, or like officially, the, the APIs are released. You can go in and use them. They aren't versioned. We wanted to version them earlier this year, but then we decided to add um, mobile support for mobile SDKs, and, and that required us to move some of those dates around. Um, and so you can use our APIs right now. They might change, but we're going to officially version them very beginning of, of next year. Um, and so that was the second tenant was API first. And then the, the third tenant was modern architecture. How do we take a look at what we're seeing happening in the web? And this is, again, four and a half years ago when like maybe one out of 10 conversations were about single page apps. Um, maybe one out of specifically me yelling at the as an Adobe consultant yeah. <laughs> yelling at the product team, please, please. Um, yeah. Um, and, and maybe one out of conversations about performance five years ago. Um, it was a concern, but it wasn't, it, it wasn't something that was driving decisions. And so how do we make things as high the highest performance possible? How do we abstract everything so that whether it's a single page app or something totally new that we couldn't possibly imagine comes out, we can pivot and how do we keep things properly abstracted? Um, and as we came up with these tenants, we realized that, that we could spend a tremendous amount of time with duct tape and bailing wire and try to make it work in DTM, or we could build something that was an open and extensible platform. And, uh, and candidly, from a product standpoint, I know sometimes I talk to customers who are using other tag managers and the other tag managers' big claim to fame is that they haven't replatformed in seven or eight years. That actually would make me worried as a customer because if I think about how much has changed in the last, just the last four or five years, um, you know, the, there's enough to, to look at saying, how do we build something that's more dynamic going forward in the future? How do we address all of these new needs? We know so much more now than we knew just a few years ago. And so we tried to put all of that into launch. 
and uh, and it's been really successful. We we uh, we don't publicize these numbers, but we already have um, a thousand over a thousand customers using launch and production. Um, uh, it's growing faster than DTM ever you know, grew in its first year. We we are growing the number of extensions over, every single week. Over a thousand in production already. Yeah, published libraries wow. uh, by companies. Yeah, but don't, that's not an official, I don't, oh, by the way, everything I say on this podcast is Corey Spencer, it is not, does not represent Adobe or any official statement by Adobe. Um, but yeah, we're seeing like, you know, the, the community that's building up around it is inspiring and Jen and Jason, I mean, all of you guys at 33 Sticks are a part of that community on the Slack channels. Um, we've got awesome extensions The 33 Sticks extension is one of the most <laughs> popular extensions by our customers. Uh, to to use to be able to go in and, and start doing generic pixel loading and and so we're seeing the beginnings of what we were hoping we would see um, and so we decided you know based on the fact that that there's massive performance increases with launch there's way more extensibility we've got you know continually we've we've had a release almost every two weeks for the last eight months with new features coming every single month. Um, that it was time to say, all right, folks, move over to the new thing because this is where the future is headed. And uh, and so we kind of made a bold statement of determining the when we were going to, to mandate that over the next two years. It is. Yes. No, that. it's a, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And I think a lot of people, a lot of the feedback that we've seen on socials are like, yeah, well, we'll see. Cause it's a, this is a bit of a change for Adobe, right? Like usually it's like, okay, we'll, we'll have a three or four year sunset cycle. So this is a bit of a change and kind of taking a bold stance. I think, I think it's one that's needed because I, I, I agree with you. You made a really strong statement around replatforming and how much the industry has changed. Uh, it has changed tremendously just in the last year or two. Uh, things are just moving very, very quickly. And a lot of the value that you can get out of a, a new platform with launch, sometimes these larger companies just need a stronger push to, to get there. Um, they're, you know, they're scared to be first movers, but once they start going, they see that there's tremendous value and advantage to, to being on, um, a new platform like like launch. So um, from I, I'm interested for, from an Adobe standpoint, if if you have a, a best practice or what you're advising your customers as far as a migration plan, I, I you know we alluded to there's some tools out there to help with the migration, and Jen brought up a great point. Something that we're advising um, our clients is that this is a great opportunity to reevaluate and kind of start with a clean palette and, and make launch a very strong foundation. You know, in, in your conversations, you mentioned you're spending most of your time on the road visiting customers. Uh, are they, are they asking you, I guess, one, what, what they should be thinking about from a migration standpoint and two, what is kind of your stance off the record of not necessarily an Adobe stance, but what is Corey recommending as far as what a, a migration should look like for most customers? <coughs> Uh, good question. I think so. There's a couple of variables, and and I think I mean, we've we've chatted a little bit about this, and I think we're we're very much on the same page. Um, one of the variables is time, and so uh, and, and resources. If you have no time and no resources, we've tried to make it as easy as possible to just move your DTM implementation over to launch. Uh, and in fact, this is the first time Adobe's ever done a, 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 something like this, where we do the migration for you. So if you're currently using DTM, 
and you're desperate and we're like, hey, we just we need to move our, over to launch. They're now all DTM properties have a button that says, excuse me, upgrade to launch. If you're managing your DTM company in the experience cloud, that's an important note. So your, your administration is in the experience cloud and you might have to migrate your administration. Some of our customers use the old DTM um, admin console <clears throat> for administering DTM. We tried to move as many of them over to the experience cloud admin console as possible. Uh, and that's required. We require that because it's the only way that we can validate that these are the, the correct embed codes and the correct implementation. So we require that so that we can say, we know that you know this Gen Kuntz is the same as that Gen Kuntz so that nobody can go in and, and steal your implementation or mess with your implementation as you do a migration. So as a security procedure, we require that. Um, and if if you have, you, you should already have launch provision. And if you have access to launch as a, as a administrator or you have the administrative rights to launch and to DTM, um, that migrate button will go in and it will take what you have in DTM and it will pull it out using some private APIs that we built for this process. It will do some conversion for you and it will put it into launch. Some of the things it won't do um, is if you were doing things that we didn't support by overriding the satellite object or um, uh, any anything where you're modifying the satellite object in any way that was not supported, we don't we don't touch that and it will come over and not be supported in launch. So one of the things I would suggest is make sure see how creative anyone got with how you're addressing the satellite object. Um, make those adjustments in DTM. It doesn't migrate launch or sorry target for you automatically because target used mbox in DTM and it uses at.js. Um, in in launch, and, and in fact, that, oh, sorry, real fast on the satellite method thing, there is the the search discovery tool that can help you find where you might be using forbidden satellite methods and all of that. But it does only look in your DTM library, <clears throat> and if on your page you have, you know, somewhere deep in your code you have, you know, satellite dot uh, get cookie or so, you know, one of those that you know, probably shouldn't have been used as much or whatever, it's it's not going to spot those for you. So. Um, but yeah. there is there is a way at least of seeing if in your library you have things that would break if you migrated. Uh, exactly, and and any custom code gets pulled over, analytics gets pulled over, Google Analytics gets pulled over, um, and there's a couple of things it also does. Just to note for any listener, so in DTM there's a thing that we call the Phantom Rule, and the Phantom Rule is that when you add the analytics extension uh, or sorry tool or the or the target tool, it created an invisible, or at least not visible to you, rule that fired those beacons on every single page. And so a ton of our customers would go in and do some sort of hack. There's a bunch of them out there to stop that from happening, particularly if they're doing single page apps. Um, if you didn't do that hack, what it does, the translation does, is it actually creates a rule for you that is a, a global every page load rule that mimics what the phantom rule was doing. And so um, if you use that migration tool, it'll take what you were expecting in DTM is now happening in launch with, with the exception of target. In, most, in any case, someone's using target, you can just then add the extension and, and add a rule. Uh, it'll create the rules that were invisible in DTM. Um, and we've tested it literally on, on 
tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of sites to make sure that it works as expected. Um, and you can go in and test it. It also allows you to keep the same embed code. So if you have an embed code and your IT team says, we can't change that embed code for the next year, you can keep that same embed code. And when you publish, at least for production, uh, and when you publish to production, it will overwrite the library that's in DTM. And if you needed to go back to DTM, you can go and publish back in DTM to overwrite the library that's been published by launch. So you do have like kind of a, oh crap, what did we do? Get out of jail free card. Um, but it's really important to note that that is, it is, it is kind of a straight migration over. So whatever mistakes you were making in DTM, you're now making a launch. Um, and you're not going to get any optimizations. You will get some because like, for example, the analytics extension uh, and, and when you add target and ECID, we've worked really hard to deduplicate a lot of the code that's natively in those libraries. So if you're using the managed by Adobe options for those libraries, you will see a, a performance increase. Um, but the biggest performance increase you would see is if you went to asynchronous. And we don't make it asynchronous for you. Launch supports asynchronous and synchronous, DTM just synchronous. And so we don't change your deployment methods. Um, we don't, we, it is really like that. We got to move stuff over really quick kind of button. Um, and so that's like, if you're out of time and you're out of resources from an engineering standpoint and consulting standpoint, that'll get you across the finish line. Uh, on the far other side of the spectrum is taking a look at everything you've done, take a look at your SDR or whatever you use to keep your requirements recorded and say, is there a more intelligent way for us to do this? Launch has a ton of new features. We have much better rule ordering. We have a rule collapsing. You can have multiple events in the same rule. You can do conditions with exceptions in the same rule. Um, you should be able to probably collapse a lot of the rules that you have that are doing the same thing over and over again uh, or have the same action, but different events and different conditions, you should be able to collapse into a single rule. Um, the way that data elements can grab from a lot of different data sources. There's some of those things, there's a lot of the custom code that you maybe have done, you could actually use one of the extensions. So if you're using, you know, there's a double click extension, there's a Facebook extension, there's a, a, a Twitter extension, Bing extension. Um, we're coming out with some other Google ones very shortly. The What's really important is uh, 33.6 is awesome extension for just pixel forwarding you should be able to decrease the amount of custom code you have by using these extensions built by the people who know their technology the best. Uh, we don't do any of that for you if you push that migrate button. And so if you, if you wanna really take a chance to see how should we do this right, you will see improvements in, in taking that out and just thinking conceptually about the right way to, to deploy and launch. And then we see customers kind of in the middle that are doing both. They start off by pushing the migrate button because it gets all of their data elements and all of their rules and everything. In, and then they go through and they start to iterate and change. And they'll start maybe with asynchronous and then they'll start with, you know, hey, hey can we collapse these rules and, and try to get the best of both worlds. Start off with a, a full profile or uh, sorry, a, a full um, uh, property and then start modifying that property to optimizing it. Um, so there's kind of different options in, a, in there depending on the time and, and resources that you have.
Does that make sense? It does. And you also have you also have not only rule ordering, but ordering within rules, um, right? In which you can uh, say, within this rule, if you qualify, I want to do this, then that, then that. Correct. You can, um, yeah, so the, the ordering, you can have rules of order. So I need this rule to fire before that rule, both at the top of the page or both when the library loads. And then within that rule, I need a specific sequence of actions to to happen. Um, and uh, and soon we're going to be releasing some functionality that actually allows you to to ensure that one action has completed before another action starts, um, which is something that no other tag manager has right now. But allows you to when you're sequencing specific actions determine if there's a completion to that action before another action within the same rule oh, that's starts. Extremely helpful. And so, yeah, so that's, th those are the types of things that we won't be able to give you if we automate it, but you will see a, you know, your ability to, to carefully craft those things going yeah. way up. No. Well, and odds are most folks, like even if launch weren't still here and we were all still on DTM, most folks could probably see a huge benefit from just, reevaluating how things are done and taking lessons that were learned while they use launch. And especially if you've been on, or sorry, DTM, especially if you've been on DTM for over a couple of years, I guarantee there are things in there that you can clean up and optimize. Um, so yes, launch has new functionality that for a lot of folks, especially folks with single page apps will change the way that you can do things and improve the way that you can do things. But, um, you know, as Corey already mentioned, technology, uh, all of this technology is changing rather quickly. And um, not only do you want a fresh new TMS, but odds are you don't want a stale implementation or solution or even requirements either. So yeah, I, I think uh, I'm always a proponent for um, auditing and uh, refreshing an implementation. Um, mm -hmm. It's almost always needed unless it's you know been done recently. 100% agree. It's never done. So, yeah. you know, this is the opportunity. Um, yeah, and I think, um, you know, we've got, I think the other thing, we actually did a survey recently and, and we're amazed at the number of customers who are using Launch but didn't even know about our newest features. And that's one of the things that I think that we need to do better at Adobe is we need to be able to get in front of your customers and our customers and say, like, here are the things that are going into DTM week after week, or sorry, launch week after week that continue to, to make your life better and make it easier for you to get the data or to act on the data in the way that you need to. We're just not used to things changing so quickly. I mean, heck, workspace too. Um, I cannot keep up with all of the improvements. And like I used to joke that Google Analytics uh, was really hard to be a, an expert in because it changed all the time. But at least Site Catalyst, I mean, all, everything I learned back in 2006, my first day on the job at Omniture was still applicable. And um, finally, nope, that is not true anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, it's kind of a, like, it's interesting. What's, I mean, on a, to go on a bit of a side note or a tangent, it's interesting to watch enterprise solutions or enterprise software figure out how to be agile and figure mm -hmm. out how to be open. And it's not something that comes naturally to the organization. And so, yeah, guys like Ben are, are pushing and, and we're trying to figure out how do we get things to our customers 
not based on a marketing quarter, but based on a customer right. need. And that's that's a, a, a fun shift to be a part of. Yeah, I bet. Well, and I remember um, a few years back, I was working with a customer that had hundreds of brands underneath them. And um, they were evaluating whether they should go with Adobe or Google. And one of the reasons they went with Adobe is because it was so uh, static. Like if they went with Google, well, that was around the time that Google redefined what a visit is um, without a ton of warning, which is fine for smaller shops and stuff. But if you're a massive organization that has to enable a lot of folks, then that um, level of iteration and um, in some cases of, of innovation is just too hard to keep up with. And the, that client ended up going with Adobe because it was safer and slower. Um, but I do think that Adobe's done a good job now that it has picked up its innovation speed. Um, first of all, with being backwards compatible. <laughs> um, but uh, the current product teams are doing a really good job with enablement resources. I think, Jen, that's a good point. And then I hope one of the things that people get when they listen to this is at least when it comes to tag and SDK management, now that we handle SDKs as well, is that our team is really dedicated into pushing where we think this needs to be and be, trying to be innovative and trying to push boundaries. Um, a lot of the other solutions in our industry, at least around in tag management, don't even like to admit that they're tag management anymore. And you can see where the resourcing and where the, the passion is, is kind of moving. And I don't blame them. It's, it's a hard thing to sell today, um, considering that we give it away for free and, and Google does. And I think for a long time, at least, the story I would always hear is, well, if it's owned by Adobe, kind of to your point, you know, they're never going to innovate. You know, they're never going to push. You know, they're just going to want to be comfortable and, and they're, they're never going to do anything that's different. Um, and I, I hope that the listeners hear that we are super passionate about pushing and innovating and doing things that we think are going to benefit them for the future. Um, and that that is, that's possible here at Adobe. And so, you know, we, we are not in any way resting on our laurels. We want to, we want to have the best product that's ever been on the market when it comes to this stuff. But you're also not innovating at such a speed or with a, any sort of lack of consideration for huge enterprise organizations that change slowly. Um, so that's appreciated yeah. as well. Yeah, that's why we're, you know, we're, the migration time is years. Um, so we, we didn't like turn anything and, and we would never do that. Like we've never forced uh, a new library update. We've never done anything without trying to be as transparent as possible and give as much time as possible for, for those customers who would be affected. So I'm interested in in learning a bit more about because I, I think Jen brought up a good point. It's something that I I am faced with every week where whether it's chatter I see on on the Adobe launch channel or watching over the shoulder of one of our clients using workspace, there there just seems to be so much new out there. How do you keep up and what what are you hearing from your customers? As you know, a, a, an amazing product manager at Adobe, you're spending time with customers, listening to them. Are they bringing that up to you? Are they saying, "Corey, this is amazing"? But how do we keep up? There's so much in launch. There's so many new opportunities in launch. 
Where do we focus? How do we learn? How do we keep up? Are you hearing that from your customers? What is Adobe doing to help maybe answer some of those questions from an education standpoint? Um, I, I have to assume it's not just me that constantly feels behind. No, that's a really good point, Jason. And and um, <clears throat> there's a couple of things. I mean, so first, anything that we add new to launch, we're, we're very concerned about, as Jen put it, backwards compatibility. And so new features that may affect anything that someone's currently doing are always optional, and you can switch them on and or off. And, and we're trying to be aware of, of never doing any harm. But from a purely keeping up to date, to be honest, this is something that Adobe needs to get better at. Um, so, you know, release notes are the first place people should go, but we need to do more than release notes. We need to do more than um, uh, the minimum. So one of the things you'll actually, you'll see in launch coming up soon uh, in just a few weeks is dynamic um, I think we're calling them tour guides or, or new coach marks. But as you come in and as we've released new things, one of the things we'll do is highlight those to you actually in the interface. Uh, and you'll be able to see, you know, here's a new thing that we just added over the last couple of weeks and click here to get more documentation. So that as you're in the application, you actually start to see some of those new features highlighted for you uh, and try to get in front of you as you come in to, to notify you of the new features um, on that property home page. So those are some of the things we're doing right now. The best way to keep up to date is actually within the community. Um, currently, is there's a, a launch Slack community on hash measure. There's the official um, forum uh, on Adobe. And that's actually where I think we, we do well is communicating directly with our customers. I don't know how scalable that is long term, but we, we have a, a very healthy community of of community members helping each other and friend. In fact, Jen Koontz is the number one commenter on that hash measure uh, launch channel. And uh, number two is Ben Robison, who's on my team as a product manager. And so um, those are kind I, of some I, of the best places. Number one, most easily distracted <laughs> from the job. We're going to have to but go I down honestly, to the trophy like, shop I, and get a trophy printed up and send it to Jen. Um, but honestly, I can't hype up like the Slack measure channels, the, both the Adobe launch one and the Adobe analytics within it, um, with the overall, within the overall measure Slack, uh, it is so helpful. And yeah, I, you know, a lot of the time I'm in there hopefully answering questions, but I also ask questions pretty readily too, and, and get a lot of helpful answers and stuff. So um, it's free. It's for everyone in our industry. And if you're not on it, I really recommend it. Um, unless you are super easily distracted like me. I will say candidly to your point, Jason, the rest of the, the rest of the Adobe machine is catching up on this kind of CI, CD, you know, constant uh, employment, constant uh, implementation and deployment process. And, um, and we're still used to releasing things every quarter or two. And one of the things we need to adjust is figuring out how to use that big communication machine to, to either we slow down a little bit in our releases, which we'd kind of rather not do, or at least create a, a, a natural cadence that everyone can be used to. And it, it'll probably be some amalgam of us adjusting to a schedule and them, maybe I say them, the rest of Adobe um, adjusting to a new schedule, 
if that makes sense. It does. Well, and I will say for workspace, uh, like Jen Lasser has been doing a really good job with, uh, I can't remember, it, Spark. There we go, Spark pages um, for new workspace functionality. So um, yeah, and Rudy Shumpert does the same thing for new yeah. launch stuff. So you can yeah. check out his stuff as well. I will, I will link all of that stuff up. I, I'm trying to get much better about um, going back and re-listening to each episode that we publish on Friday and taking detailed notes and linking all of the goodies up in a, in a blog post. I need to come up with a better methodology for um, a vanity URL to get people to it, but I will see if I can gather all of that stuff and add it to the, to the notes for this episode. Cause there's a ton of, uh, of good content and resources that we've, we've mentioned across the board. Corey, can I ask you, because I've, I've always looked at you as, as, as a visionary, um, regardless of the role that you're in, I'm interested in what you're most excited about with the creation of launch, as far as what do you see it enabling the industry to innovate in the future? Uh, so launch is not just a platform, but it creates a lot of opportunities for new things to come out of it. And we saw that with DTM. Um, you know, I was talking with uh, Evan Lapointe the other day, and I'm and I was asking him like, I can't even imagine like the breadth of the impact that you've had on the world with DTM. Like there are new companies and roles and things created just because DTM was a thing. And now I think launch is going to make an even bigger imprint than that. What, what are you most excited about as far as what innovations that launch may enable in the future? Uh, well, the first, I mean, just to pay tribute to the, to the, to the Godfather, Evan, the point, um, we're still building a lot of stuff that was kind of, you know, based on a conversation that he and I had one day, um, and so uh, I do have to, you know, pay respect to, you're right, this, you know, my job and what I'm building and everything I'm doing is is predicated on his ideas around DTM. And we tried to take the best of DTM and, and put it into launch and continue to add a lot of the, really the momentum that was started by that first initial team, uh, most of which are, are still working on, on the product today. Um, what we want to see, though, and, and I say that we because it really is a, a family that works on this stuff. Uh, it's an increasingly large family, but it is a family. Um, one of the things I was really, it really is around like, how do we create a, a culture and a community around a product where as many smart people as possible can help solve each other's problems? Uh, and that's a big, a big part of it. One of the issues that we had with DTM is that customers said, hey, thanks for solving Adobe's problems. Here's a list of other problems that I have. Would you mind solving those? And uh, and when you empathize with the customer and you see that list, it's kind of disheartening because you're like, we'll never get around to all those features and all those integrations, at least not at the quality that this customer deserves. Um, can we create a place where other passionate, like-minded professionals can help each other. And tag management is kind of a weird place to have that conversation um, until you meet the people who do this. The folks who work on deploying these things are passionate about this. Other people just look at it as plumbing, but everybody, everybody who works on this knows that living in a house without plumbing sucks. And so when you talk to these people and you, you see the pain and you see the requirements they're putting put through, and you see, like, you know, I work at freaking Adobe. You know, we we should be able to solve this. We should be able to. We have this massive footprint. What can we do to actually some, do something that actually is going to make a difference 
um, for those that need to use the software and hopefully create an industry for those that want to help. Uh, I was super inspired a couple of weeks ago. I was in Spain. Um, Adobe uh, acquired Magento and I was at the Magento Live conference and we're building an integration with Magento. So it's really easy to deploy launch into their e-commerce solutions. Uh, that shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. That's not a scoop. That should be everybody to just assume that we're doing that. But um, the the first day of the conference, actually the pre-day, the Monday before the conference was a community day. And they literally had hundreds of Magento uh, community members, engineers, get together and work on projects together. And they actually all got to tables and someone would say, here's one of the projects I want to do. And so like eight or 10 or 15 engineers would get around a table and they would start working. And they didn't really, most of them had never met each other before, but they're all helping each other solve problems. And um, I thought that was just a really cool precursor of what I hope we're able to do with launch and some of these other things is, is enable that same, build off that same sort of culture that we see Magento using where groups can say, I have a problem. And whether it's a, an, a, a solution owner can say, I can help you solve that problem with my extension, or it's a agency that says, well, we can help you with a much larger strategy if you want to become part of, you know, if you want to engage with us, or it's just a cohort that says, yeah, I had that same problem. Push this button before that button. That's really what we're, we're hoping to build. Well, and I, uh, I have expected you to say that like with, with some of that community stuff, I know that one of the things a lot of folks are excited about with the APIs is the possibility of, of building tools to make, you know, for instance, have your SDR feed directly into the API and build your whole launch property for you. Like that is something that is feasibly possible with these APIs. Um, and that particular one is, is one that I'm sure will eventually happen. And I'm very excited about, um, um, I agree is, with you. This is not me claiming like I will do that. I would if I had time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but if somebody wants to collaborate on it, let me know. But yeah, the stuff like that, that uh, you know, our, our industry is full of folks who see gaps and want to fill, the, fill those gaps. Um, and I appreciate that you guys made a framework that that's possible. So, um, well, we appreciate how much like, you know, your the entire team has been a part of that. And I should state here for anyone who's listening, like, 33 Sticks was an alpha tester for launch. They're a beta tester for launch. They were one of the first extension builders for launch. Um, they have an expertise in it. And so, yeah, if you're looking for someone who can help not just migrate you, but optimize what you're doing, this is this is the group I would pick. You're too kind. You're too kind. Oh, but, but Jen brings up a, a good point. The industry, this is an interesting industry because people are so giving and and they they truly want to help and and it's it's awesome having a platform like launch that now enables those people that want to give to to give more and it's it's i logged in the other day and i looked at the library um the extension library of of available extensions i'm like this is exploding you know i'd swear just a few weeks ago this was half the size it's it's amazing to see people rally around it and and truly want to help and sure it's a good business opportunity it's a good branding opportunity for companies to get their name out there um but there also is a, a desire just to make things better and more efficient and if i've got a problem i'm sure someone else has a problem so why not let's just solve it and maybe help someone else out it's it's great to see um, it's great to see it happen. And it's great to have a, a platform like launch that, that gives people an opportunity to do that. 
I appreciate that. Yeah, that's that's what gets us up. Is um, and I will say, like from, I think one of the other unique things about our team is that it is not unusual in these communities and these forums to see the engineers who build launch, who built the engine, who work on the framework, engage directly with the folks that are trying to solve problems with it. And uh, that's probably the thing that I'm most proud about in our team yeah, is I could, go and, I could go grab one of our API guys and stick him in front of a customer and say, tell them why they should use launch. And they could empathize with that customer enough to help sell it. And that's pretty unique at enterprise software. And I or, think it, it goes to the culture of the team. Or I can go on Measure Slack or Twitter or whatever and say, gosh, darn it, I cannot figure out how to get this to work in launch. And I might very well have a Ben Robison or a Joel or whoever turn around um, and say either, you know, here's how you solve the problem or, hey, that's an interesting uh, use case. I bet that's pretty common. I'm going to go back and talk to the product team and see if we can uh, build something into the product that would fix that for you. Like that's happened so many times and you just don't yeah. see that with um with huge companies well, it's like in, in the martech um, space in in general i think that um getting inside the company is is such a challenge and often oftentimes is purposefully hidden um it seems like the culture of adobe to to kind of make that more accessible whether it's the product side we see product managers like Ben, like Corey and others that are out there and visible and making themselves available. And uh, sometimes people want way more than their time, way more of their time than they have. But it's amazing that that happens. And and from the product managers down to the engineers, I remember one time I was struggling with an issue with DTM and I was just banging my head against the wall for weeks. And Corey uh, introduced me to one of the main engineers who solved my problem in literally like five minutes. And I was just blown away that this guy took time to even address my problem. He didn't have to do that. I think I brought some donuts and dropped them off at Adobe. I was so, uh, was I was say. so blown away with that, but I, it, it seems like an Adobe cultural thing that they make the, the product team, the engineering team so visible. And yeah, you're right. It's they, they're interacting on Slack. I see them on Twitter uh, it's it's phenomenal. Um, so definitely applaud Adobe, whoever is helping set that that culture for for making a, a really smart business decision. And I uh, I have a question for you, Corey. I, I know that we're we're running a little long here, but I of course find this all fascinating. Um, with DTM and Launch being free tools, that changes the model a bit, um, especially when it comes to things like support. So I mean, the fact that Adobe um, acknowledges that it, well, <laughs> it's not just altruism why Adobe offers this free tool. Um, it does improve their bottom line if their customers have a good experience and can actually implement this very robust and powerful, but also sometimes difficult uh, solution. Um, but uh, yeah, having been an insider at Adobe and having worked at various other companies, just knowing how hard it can be to get support for free tools um how have you done it <laughs> like how, how have you gotten on adobe so on board with i mean not just creating the tool but you guys have a pretty robust team um and seemingly lots of resources probably not as many as as you'd like for all the cool things you have in mind but still um yeah i'm gonna hate it i it, i think my computer cut out for a second um no it's probably <laughs> 
I'm cursed. Would you mind asking the question one more time sure. just to make sure I got it? Yeah, just how did you get Adobe uh, as a whole org so on board with the idea of uh, so fully supporting a free tool like Launch? So you're right. We don't do it just because we like singing Kumbaya around the campfire. Um, but we also think that there's a, a change in the way that everything is happening. Like, for example, um, Microsoft, a couple of weeks ago, uh, open sourced 60,000 of their patents um, and is one of like the largest contributors to GitHub. You would never have said that about Microsoft a few years ago. And I do think there is a cultural change happening in enterprise software where a lot of us are taking a look at um, what we think the future is and, and that the future is being open and collaborative. Um, launch does not cost Adobe very much to, to provide to customers. And, uh, and so at the beginning, it, it really was strategic. It really was, well, we don't want customers having to go and buy another product to deploy our products. That was, that was the, you know, when, when DTM was first released, when launch or when satellite was acquired, that was a lot of the justification. Customers are coming and they're deploying um, Adobe Analytics and Target, and we don't want them to have to go and spend another $150,000 to go buy another product to do that. And so that was part of the process. As we started to go into to launch, we're realizing that the, the bigger play is to be able to affect change in that first millisecond um, and add value to customers and make sure our stuff still works correctly. That's a big part of it. Um, uh, we, fewer escalations is really important to us. It's a huge cost on the organization to have escalations because uh, people just you know aren't sure how to make different libraries work together. Um, so there is a decrease in cost. There's an increase in time to value that we track very carefully that our customers get through launch. And then there is this bigger play of saying, well, how do we, how really do we uh, enable as many customers to be as successful as possible with whatever their digital experience is? Uh, one of our goals, and this isn't something that we talk about publicly, but one of our goals is to try to work over the next year to allow us to start giving launch to non-customers or potential customers who who aren't currently using Adobe products because we think launch is one of those things that could help them deploy anything and, and even you know want them to be a part of the Adobe community. And then yeah, hopefully as they do that we can say, you know, here try analytics for for you know a few months and tell us what you think. Um, but we're a little ways away from that organizationally. But that is kind of where we see the future going. And, and it is, you know, it is ultimately to make it easier for our customers to spend more time getting the value out of our products and less time having to fight getting them implemented. That is, that is fantastic. Um, well, this, this has been an extremely fascinating, interesting conversation. Uh, I know you're extremely busy and your time is valuable and you're spending a lot of your time on the road meeting with Adobe customers. So I I am, and I probably could speak for everybody, we are, we are extremely grateful that you would take the time to to meet with us. There's a lot of really valuable things in here that our listeners um, can walk away with. Let's, let's close it out by 
um, I guess, giving you a chance to, to talk to either existing DTM customers or customers that may have another TMS that are thinking about moving to launch. What's the one thing you want them to walk away with after listening to this episode? Um, something that you want them to go back to their organization, be able to tell the story of, of launch. What's that, that one kind of nugget you'd like them to walk away with? Uh, I hope that they, if, if anyone was to listen to this, I hope that they hear that we're passionate about what we're doing. And we believe that launch, and there's some really exciting things that we're announcing next year. Uh, I will announce here really quick, like things like copy and Diffuer are coming this year um, for those that are currently using launch. And But there's some really exciting things that we're announcing next year um, and some things that I think, you know, uh, are going to radically change the way that that people look at, at our industry. And, and I think it's really exciting. Um, but I hope that what customers see is that, you know, we, we're true believers in what we're doing. And we really believe that this is an opportunity to set the pace um, for the future of digital transformations and experiences. And that it starts at the first millisecond. And we've, we've taken painstaking efforts to try to find the best way to do this for our customers and the best way to do this for a community and um, and that you know, launch is it just kicks ass, and it so just kicks you know, ass. try it. And and if for some reason, if for some reason it doesn't, tell me. If for some reason you get in there and you're like, I hate that it does this, get on the Slack channels or or tweet me and tell me that you don't like it and what you don't like about it, because that's that's how we're going to make it increasingly better. I will vouch. <laughs> I have done that. <laughs> Um, well, and I, I will say that launch, there are still some things about the UX that feel a bit on the, the uh, early adoption. You're talking about side. delete. You're talking about delete, aren't you? <laughs> not, no, no, I'm, I'm not going to go into my list. But I mean, you already <laughs> mentioned copy and diffue and, and things like that. Um, but uh, first of all, the, the actual meat and bones of launch is so much better than DTM, even if it doesn't have some of the nice UX things like uh, notes and diffu and stuff. Um, but the fact that you guys are iterating and improving it so quickly, I, I think um, there have been a lot of folks that have been nervous about being early adopters and uh, just hope they understand that it's it's improving very, very quickly, that the meat and bones, the, the actual library and what it can do is already there. And from here out, it's just um, making it easier, I think. Yeah, if it makes anyone feel better, some of the biggest companies in the world are using launch already with huge success. And um, and so, yeah, the, I understand first adopter fear. I think the only other thing to note is, um, and Jason was a part of this and Jen was a part of this, we had customers using launch as we built it. So we've had customers using launch since really January of last year. And we've been iterating on top of that. So we felt very confident in our version one and our minimal viable product, the, the first release. Um, and so, yeah, we're adding more bells and whistles, but it, it, it's, it was tested while it was being built to make sure that the, the right stuff worked correctly. Corey, absolutely awesome. a pleasure. I'm sure this will be our highest rated episode ever. Um, no, this was, this was fantastic. Really. Thank you for, for joining us. And, um, we would love to have you, you back in the future. I'm, I'm sure all of our listeners, um, have thoroughly enjoyed this episode. It, it has been fantastic. So 
thank you much. And um, yeah, I look forward to uh, doing it again in the future. Well, I mean, one last thing, I'll be remiss if I didn't mention that, um, that I've learned so much from Jason over the years. And, uh, and at one point, you know, he, he helped me out when I was having some, some crappy stuff going on and, and hired me at Keystone and, uh, and a lot of everything else that happened over the last seven or eight years, um, career-wise is because of Jason's tutelage during that time and his assistance. So uh, anytime I can help 33 Sticks, I'm there. But Jason, I wanted to publicly thank you for for affecting my life on a personal Well, you're very welcome. I think I was a, a small part of it, um, but happy to to play a part of that and extremely proud to see what what you're doing and, and where you've come. It's, it's fantastic. Cool. Thanks all. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Jen. This has been a fantastic conversation and um, excited for it to go live. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, guys. I was good to talk to Corey. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this week's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at www.33sticks.com. The 33 Tangents podcast is a production of 33 Sticks.